Welcome to another edition of the Hawk Off the Press podcast. And after the final score edition, I'm John Steppe, joined by Mike Kloss. After Iowa's 33-13 to win over Northwestern, finally saw some offense. Yeah, I mean, um, it was one of those all breath of fresh air, for lack of a better term. I mean, they'd been so stale for so long that you were wondering if it was ever going to change. And I realized who they played. Far from the best team in the Big Ten, Northwestern, but they're on the schedule. you got to play them, and the offense had a very good game. There's just no, no way around it, and give credit where it's due. Yeah, and I think it would be – I'm still probably on the skeptical side of this offense. This is a Northwestern team that's now 1-7, having lost their last seven games. And you have losses on there to Southern Illinois, losses to Miami of Ohio. So this is a team that you should beat by a decent margin, and they did exactly that. Yeah, I mean, they were 10.5-point favorites for a reason. I thought they'd win by 20. I really did. I just thought that, you know, I, I sensed this week from Tuesday on from hearing their comments, hearing Ferentz talk, that they felt good about their chances coming into this game. And I thought that they had a a really nice offensive package from the get-go. They came out and clearly wanted to mix things up more than they have maybe. And they took advantage of what was there. And Petrus had his best game of the year. There's no question in my mind about that. I thought he was really good. Didn't do anything enormously flashy, took what was there, but uh, his timing was good. The passes were good. He had time to throw for a change. Uh, the, the offense was good as a whole. The running game was very good. Caleb Johnson was good. The blocking for him was good. And a lot of guys caught passes. Uh, Nico, I can't say his last name anymore. We used to call it something, and now we're not supposed to call it that. Regani, <laughs> Regiani, Ragu. <laughs> Yeah, he had a, a great stretch. Deontay Vines had moments. Sam Laporta was very good. Luke Lachey caught a touchdown. Arlen Bruce had a touchdown run. And probably a lot of players in the receiving core felt like they were part of an offense for the first time in a long time. Yeah, and there's finally a lot for fans to cheer about. And I think where a lot of the things were different was the offensive line. Yeah. That was their best performance of the year. It was. It definitely was. Uh, I don't, let's see how many times Petrus gets sacked once, I think. Yeah, once. What a difference, <laughs> you know. Yeah. I mean, look, the defenses of Illinois and Ohio State are a lot different than the defense of Northwesterns. Everybody knows that. But still, it was just a cleaner, better offensive performance and that's all they need to beat these Big Ten West teams is just don't beat yourself yeah you know because their defense is good enough to handle the rest and the field goal kicking which was stellar today and the rest of the special teams it's just be competent on offense that's all we've ever said this whole season is if they were just competent well they were competent plus today and you saw the difference. And a lot of our text message subscriber questions revolve around the offensive line. Is this the best group of five offensive linemen? 
which rotations stood out the most. And it's a little difficult to evaluate because Northwestern is going to be different than some of these other Big Ten teams. But I would say so far so good with Colby being on the inside. That seems to be the way to go with him. And that's probably going to be the way to go with him long term, especially when you have that five-star kid out of Southeast Polk, Caden Proctor, coming in. Yeah, I mean, I I thought that Colby looked confident and effective from the very beginning. Even though he was playing left guard, which he'd never played before, you heard him talk in the postgame, and it's clear that, I I mean, I think it's pretty clear. He's cut out more to be a guard than a tackle, and there's no crime in that. No. Uh, He was put a tackle because he was believed to be one of the best options they had there. Well... He goes back to guard where he played significant amount of time as a freshman, and he played very well today. And then they put Plum in that tackle, and, I mean, today it worked. And There's no guarantees in the future. I mean, I, I think that they play two more good defenses in Wisconsin and Minnesota, so we'll see then. But I think that they could have enough offense to deal with Purdue next week. Which is something that we probably would not have offense. said. <laughs> it's late. I meant <laughs> It's late. We all know They've it. They've got plenty of defense to contend with Purdue. And they'll have to. Yeah. And then the other theme with the text message questions is about quarterback. Why Petrus and not Padilla? I was surprised at first by that. I had been getting the sense as the week went on. Probably Tuesday, I would have said, yeah, they really have to have Padilla in. And then by the end of the week, I was thinking, okay, I think they're going to go with Petrus. Mm -hmm. But I think you look at it, and as much as they say that they have faith in Alex Padilla, when he doesn't get a shot in a game like this, probably tells you what they really do feel about Alex Padilla. Yes, I think you're absolutely right. And when they didn't make a a clear proclamation on Tuesday last week, it's like, well, I I thought if they were going to make a change, they would have said so then. And they've got their reasons, and there's probably a lot of people who hear this will question those reasons. But for one week anyway, it was the right choice. And we'll see if if there's progression, because they've got to get better now. I mean... The opposition gets better. It's not a bunch of world beaters they have left, but the next three games are against teams with winning records who have, they're decent teams. Uh, Purdue's in the fight for a division championship. Wisconsin seems to have righted itself. It's hard to tell. Yeah. And Minnesota, I thought, was about to spin off its axis, but it turned around today and just buried Rutgers, which I didn't think it would. So uh, the next three games are interesting. They're they're four and four, and it's not a lot to get overly excited about compared to other seasons, but so many people said it today, including people who work, you know, in Iowa Sports Information said it to me that... Boy, if they'd lost this one. (laughs) Oh, my. Well, they didn't. You know, so baby steps. 
Uh, it would have been very easy to pack it in. It would have been very easy to, to be plagued with self-doubt and to crumble, especially after those last two games, not scoring an offensive touchdown. It would have been able for Petrus to lose the faith in himself and in, in, in everything. It would have been easy for his teammates to lose faith in him. Yeah. Uh, but here they are, two-thirds of the season, and they're still clawing, they're still fighting, and there's something to be said for that. Yeah, and I think 2-2 two and two to get to a bowl is realistic at this point. I think if they would have lost today, yeah, you can throw bowl eligibility out of the yeah, picture. Yeah, you know, I, and I'm, uh, I'll be like a coach here. I don't care about talking about the bowls right now. Uh, it doesn't matter. They're not going to go to a glamour bowl. No. Uh, what matters is how do you finish? Do you, do you leave a good taste in people's mouth or do they walk away feeling like they have throughout most of the season? That's what's at stake. Do you, do you walk out feeling good about yourself and having everybody else feel good about you? Or is this season a bust? The bowl game to me is sort of irrelevant. And then looking ahead more closely than the bowl situation, he got Purdue next week, certainly a team that I think it's almost become as much of a, well, I shouldn't say as much of a rivalry, but it's become an interesting rivalry in the West, especially when you have Charlie Jones, a.k.a. Chuck Sizzle, making plays there. It'll be an interesting game. I don't think Iowa matches up great, but... Mm-hmm. We'll see what happens next week. Yeah, uh, I'm kind of looking forward to it. I, I want to see what that offense and that veteran quarterback O'Connell can do against them. Carved them up pretty good here in Kinnick last year. Uh, Iowa was ranked second, and Purdue just dissected them. So uh, there's going to be a little desire for payback on Iowa's part. At the same time, Purdue had this week off. And Purdue theoretically is, I mean, if Purdue beats Illinois in Champaign, Purdue is in a great spot to win the West. But first, it's got to beat Iowa. Yeah. And they've been able to, with that bye week, focus on Iowa a little more. And maybe their notes are going to look a little different after this week now that the offense has shown the ability to do some things that they just really haven't shown before. And I think some of that, too, is you look at the schedule going up against Michigan, Illinois, Ohio State in a three-game stretch. Not healthy. Yeah. Funny we say that about Illinois. (laughs) Wouldn't have been saying that two years ago about Illinois. But um, Illinois... One convincingly again today, and uh, it's a good team. Yeah. Well, that will do it for this edition of Hawk Off the Press after the final score. I'll be back with another episode of Hawk Off the Press this week. What's it called? Hawk Off the Press. Oh, I didn't catch that. Oh, really? You didn't? Well, until then, we will talk Hawks later. Get a daily update from the Gazette with our daily news podcast. Add it to your podcast player or your Alexa-friendly device to get a bite-sized local news update each day. Check it out at thegazette.com slash podcasts.